0: Please remain standing for the gospel reading, which is taken from John 13. Hear now the gospel of our Lord. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Praise Praise be to God. God. Please be seated. Well, tonight, we commemorate Maundy Thursday. The day takes its name, as I mentioned, from the Latin word for commandment. Maundy Thursday, then, is Commandment Thursday, because on this night, the night that he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus gave his disciples a new commandment. We just heard it read from John's Gospel. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, Maundy Thursday is always a communion service as well, And this is because in the context of giving the new commandment, Jesus instituted, he left us with the Lord's Supper. By the Lord's Supper, or communion, we mean the same thing. We mean that rite, R-I-T-E, that simple ritual of giving and receiving bread and wine according to Christ's command. It's, it's a deceptively simple affair, that table. It would seem that there's not much to it. Yet, the church has been unable to plumb its depths, unable to exhaust its glory, unable to penetrate the mystery unable even really adequately to explain the beauty and the power and the comfort that is communicated to us there. It exceeds our grasp. Nevertheless, in all times and in all places and in all cultures and tribes, she has drawn life and sustenance and hope from that table. So our text is going to be the 1 Corinthians 11 reading, which I mentioned is on the back of your bulletin. By way of background, sort of to frame the text, or at least to frame what I want to say about the text, note that the celebration of this sacrament, it derives from, it goes all the way back to Jesus Christ, the incarnate Son of God. Jesus, verse 23, begins, On the night he was betrayed, That's when the supper starts, on the night he was betrayed. Just before his arrest, he's at the very end of his earthly life. He's in the shadow of the cross, in the last teaching opportunity he has with the disciples. Then, at that time, he leaves them, and he leaves us this table this form of remembering, this form of summing up his life and his ministry and his impending death, how important do you think that is to Jesus? How rich in symbol and substance do you think the table is to the Lord? There is an unbreakable chain here. Jesus leaves the disciples with the meal, They pass it on to others from the beginning, and eventually it's passed on to us who are celebrating it tonight. The supper goes all the way back to the historical Christ and the night he was betrayed. And it's been preserved that way by the spirit of the risen Christ. Notice what Paul says in verse 23. He says, I received from the Lord what I delivered to you. But guess what? Paul was not at the Last Supper. I received from the Lord what I delivered to you. But he was converted to Christ later on the Damascus Road. You know what he means? He means, I received this tradition about the Supper from the risen Lord through the apostles. And so the handing on of this tradition is something that the risen Jesus preserves and protects and guarantees in the church. The Lord referred to in verse 23 as the risen Lord. You can be sure, beloved, you can be sure that had Jesus not been raised from the dead, none of us would be sitting here tonight celebrating this table. In this table... We remember the Lord's death, but its sheer existence is a sign that he is risen. There'd be no commemoration of a dead first century Jewish rabbi's death. And this table, then, which goes all the way back to the beginning, is to remain in the church till the end of the world. As often as we do this, the text says in verse 26, "We proclaim the Lord's death until He comes." The table's a sign. It's a gift. It's a kind of proclamation in the planted in the middle of the world, now planted till the ends of the earth, spanning the night that Jesus was betrayed until His coming again in glory. It can lay claim in conjunction with the cross of being the center still point in the turning world. This is why the church has always exclaimed in her celebration of the Eucharist, Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Past, Christ has died. Present, Christ is risen future Christ will come again and at that time in the future that supper gives way to the wedding supper of the lamb the feast of the kingdom of God so with that frame I'm going to make two simple points tonight remembrance and renewal remembrance and renewal what are we doing here? remembering Why are we doing it? So that we might be renewed. That's the the sermon in a nutshell. What are we doing here? Remembering. Why are we doing it? So that we might be renewed. So let's look at remembering first. Twice, twice our Lord says, do this in remembrance of me. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. So, I mean, the point is simple. Jesus left us this meal so that we might remember. At the risk of stating the obvious, this means we are prone to forget. We're prone to forget Jesus. And so for all time, From the night he was betrayed until he comes again, he gives us this way, this sacrament. It's akin to the the periodic renewal of wedding vows, the sacrament, to keep him fresh and him alive in our memories. And what we are reminded of here is, first and foremost, of course, his death. His death. There's no avoiding that brutal reality here. The table sets forth the Lord's passion, the emblems of his suffering. Broken body, shed blood. And that's why it's right, and it has always been the case that there's a solemn and reverential tone to the celebration. It is a celebration, but it is a solemn and reverential celebration. Later in the text, Paul says, that this remembering entails examining ourselves and discerning, discerning the body of Christ on that table. He goes on to say, it's right there on the back of the bulletin, right, that it's possible to sin against the very body and blood of the Lord and to eat and drink judgment on oneself here. Those are among the most terrifying words in the New Testament. At the place, at the meal that was given for our comfort and our joy and our sustenance, which it is. But so holy and sacred, right? So unbreakable is the bond, the relation between these signs. And Christ's own body and blood, Christ's own death, that God Himself as judge protects the integrity of that table. Everyone, everyone who eats is called to examine themselves and thus discern. What does Paul mean, discern? It means to see, to recognize. To grasp the basic significance of the body and the blood, the death of the Lord set forth there. To remember, then, is to discern with affection. Right? To discern with faith and repentance and gratitude. And, of course, the death is set before us there in two forms, right? Body and blood. We're called to a double doing. Do this once for the body, do this, once for the blood, and thus to a double remembering, both times, do this in remembrance of me. It's as if our Lord knows that in our forgetting, we are going to forget the central thing about Jesus, namely his cross. We do have a remarkable and creative ability to do this, to sort of skirt around the cross, in our hearts, in our minds, in our thinking, in our Christian existence. Or, to, or maybe to just kind of shuffle it behind us. It's back there, it takes care of my sins. Or maybe it's over there, I need it, I repair to it when I need it. Jesus is not going to let us do that. This is the central thing, the perpetual thing. So Paul says at the end of the text, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. You become a preacher. You preach the Lord's death until he comes. So we discern, and we eat, and we drink, and we proclaim the Lord's death, and that's how we remember. It's a little drama that we've all been called to enact. But remembering here, of course, is not simply recalling the past. We're not simply remembering the new covenant that Jesus established with us here. We're also renewing our covenant with Christ. Right? And that's the second point. The first point is remembering, the second point is renewal. What are we doing? We are remembering. Why are we doing it? For renewal. So here we're remembering our Lord's death, but in such a way that we renew communion with him who is now risen. In the, uh, the chapter just before our text, 1 Corinthians 10, Paul says, Is not the bread which we break a communion in the body of Christ? Is not the cup which we bless a communion in the blood of Christ? You are actually partaking here, and it's a profound mystery, but somehow by faith, through the Holy Spirit, you actually have communion, fellowship with the humanity of the risen Christ in that supper. This, then, is the place of renewal for us. We remember, and then we're renewed. This is the place where all the benefits of Christ's death his broken body, his shed blood, they are applied to you again. You are refreshed in them by faith as you discern and eat and drink. In short, then, the Lord's Supper is an act of covenant renewal with your risen Lord. Remembrance, renewal. We remember the new covenant that was established. We're renewed in the new covenant that was established. I want to say just a couple words about the renewal before I close. This renewal with the risen Lord happens, as we've said, through the emblems, the signs, of his death. And thus the supper is always for us a reminder that this pattern of life, that way of self-giving unto death, that union with Jesus in his sufferings, is the ordained way. It's the only way for us, like it was for him, to life and to glory. So we heard in the gospel lesson how Jesus has called us to love one another as he has loved us. With that command, he established this supper. The two are linked that's a key thing the church has always remembered on Monday, Thursday, the link. What's the link? What is Jesus saying? He's saying that that table, that brokenness, that death, that outpoured life, that is what you are called to toward one another. That's the link between the commandment and the supper. We discern that body of Christ so that we can discern this body of Christ, right? We discern that body of Christ so that we can rightly discern this body of Christ. Discerning what was done there, we can discern what our obligations are here. Now I hope you can see that's a summary of the whole New Testament. That is the whole new covenant. Discerning that body, you are to discern this body. Discerning what has been done there, you know how you are to live toward this community. And thus the supper with great sobriety and great realism reminds us that we're going to have to go that way with Jesus, into his passion, if we are to love one another, as he calls us to. We're going to have to enter into that passion to love this body. And so we remember to be renewed. And renewal, renewal is so that we might love fervently in this manner, in the power of the one who is now raised. So later in the service, we are going to be called to come to do this, to remember Christ, to remember his death, to examine ourselves, to discern that body and this body, to be renewed in life with the risen one. It's really quite simple. It is not easy, of course, but it's simple. When you look at that table, you think, you examine yourself, you discern Ah, this is how Jesus has loved me. And this is what he means when he says, love one another as I have loved you. For remembrance and renewal, this table is the indispensable gift of God. Like Jesus on the night he was betrayed, let us thank God for it. Amen.